Hello everyone. My name is Stephen Hoffman and I am a proud Luritja and Warra man who was born and raised on Larrakia country. I have strong ties to the Larrakia land and the Larrakia people. On behalf of the Back Row podcast, I want to acknowledge the true custodians of the land in which this podcast has been recorded on both the Rawadiri country in Nam and the Larrakia country in Garamilla. And I would like to pay my respects to both elders past, present and emerging, for they hold the memories, knowledge and traditions of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. Welcome to The Back Row, the podcast for Australia's youth. As always, you're joined by teachers and facilitators, Amanda, that's you, and Sky, that's me. This week, we are talking about how to have a difficult conversation, something we might all be familiar with, yet it can feel a bit daunting. So we're going to share a simple strategy today. That's true. And it's definitely a skill that I wish I had way before I left school. So wherever you're listening... This is the back row. One, two, three, four. As always, Amanda, let's kick off with our sweet and sour for the week. Amanda, what was yours? Ooh, well, I am a bit of a fan of MasterChef, actually, and... I fell behind on episodes because I've been traveling a bit. I've been overseas. Anyway, my suite is that I'm finally home and catching up on MasterChef episodes. And my sour is that even though the season is finished, we weren't up the, up to it yet. But I accidentally found out on social media who won. Oh, no. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know when you're so invested and then you – and then it, like – the pop is gone. Oh, yeah. Anyway. Social media just ruining lives once again. No. <laughs> It'll still be worth it. Still amazing food inspo to come. Ooh, what about you, Sky? So for me, as some of you might know, I recently became a qualified wedding celebrant, which means that I can marry people, which is quite groovy. Da, da, and da, da. I was actually lucky enough to have my first ever wedding, um, which just happened to be in Bali. So I've just got back from spending a few days in Bali marrying some really close friends of ours. The sour, which I think Bali might have given it away, um, I did get a small dose of Bali belly on the way home, which no one needs to know about because we've all had an upset tummy at some stage, but it did put a little bit of a dampener on the flight home, that's for literally, sure. But yeah, stoked, had a great time. Literally on the way home, I mean... Literally on the way home. Like I said, we don't need to go into details, but, you know, the facts Moving along. Congratulations. <laughs> so exciting. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. So let's get into today's topic. Amanda, we are going to be getting into the nitty gritty and talking about how to have those challenging conversations. Oh, yeah. And we're talking specifically about how to have them in a way that doesn't place blame or isn't dealt with in a way that perhaps is unhealthy or damaging for our relationships. Exactly right. In fact, the strategy that we're going to get into, and I know that you and I both use it in our own lives, Mm. it will actually make your relationships stronger and will increase that trust and understanding with whoever it is you have to have the conversation with. Absolutely. So what are we talking about when it comes to difficult conversations? I mean, what is a difficult conversation? (laughs) It's a good question, probably a good place to start. (laughs) I think a difficult conversation is one of those ones that feels um, like 
necessary to have. Mm. It's something that can feel really uncomfortable, like choosing to call something out or raising something with a person that might feel necessary, something that is important to you that needs to change. Mm -hmm. So we've written down a few examples of things that we remember and definitely situations we've been in. So one is maybe not getting invited to a party or a catch up with some of your friends. Another is perhaps we've experienced that a friend is talking negative about someone else behind their backs. It could be a parent that's always saying no to us doing new things on the weekend. It could be feeling like a teacher has unrealistic expectations. It could even be a friend who borrowed something and didn't give it back. Any of these kinds of things might cause us to need to have a difficult conversation with someone. Totally. Even I know one that came up a lot for me in high school and even now as an adult sometimes is like when you might have an inside joke with a group of friends or something, but it actually makes you feel kind of crummy on the inside. Like you laugh on the outside, like ha ha ha. But on the inside, you're like, oh, that actually doesn't make me feel good. So anything that is those kind of conversations, it is such a thing, right? And so Mm -hmm. these topics are pretty common. They're often ones we try and like skim over and maybe we choose to just like keep the peace instead of having the conversation. But what Mm -hmm. happens is, is that that internal frustration doesn't go anywhere. That's kind of still inside of us. Um, And that's kind of hard to forget about, (laughs) which is understandable. So, but the reason we often try and ignore these conversations, I suppose, is because we may not have a strategy about how to have them. And it's easier to ignore them. Sometimes just avoiding the conversation is so much easier. I can't tell you how many of my students will say things like to me, I just don't do conflict. And I'm like, that's great. But sometimes we actually have to do the conflict, which doesn't have to be labeled conflict. It can just be called a challenging conversation um, to actually be able to get past some things. Mm, Oh, my gosh. I feel like I've honestly said that as well (laughs) at times. (laughs) And it's challenging. It's hard for everyone, right? Mm, you know, Avoidance and I have definitely teamed up in the past when it comes to difficult conversations. Oh, me too. And I feel like that's so true for all of us at one time or another. Avoiding the conversation is sometimes just so much easier. Yeah, it seems like that. And it can feel like that as well. But I'm wondering, you know, have you ever had a relationship, maybe it's with a friend or with a sibling or with a parent where you've chosen the path that feels like less resistance, right? It feels easier. You've teamed Mm. up with our old mate avoidance. And again, and again, (laughs) you avoid situations or you avoid having those difficult conversations. And what happens? Mm. Well, nothing happens and that's the problem. The things kind of stay the same. And after a while of trying to ignore it as well, that frustration inside of us, like, you know, casually laughing over that comment that makes you feel yuck. um, It's kind of like a separation can begin to form between you and that person. It's like by avoiding that difficult conversation, you're actually creating a divide between you and the other person. And sometimes they might not even be aware of it. It's just you feeling it. Mm, So you mean we can't just avoid the difficult conversations (laughs) and expect our relationships (laughs) to grow more meaningful and genuine at the same time? I know. So weird, right? Um, (laughs) And and it's quite challenging to hear that. I know, especially for those of us, uh, you know, and you and I can be guilty of this at times, Mm. that don't love conflict. That can be kind of a challenging thing to accept, but we say it every time. I feel like it's coming up every week, but nothing changes if nothing changes and if we don't have the challenging conversation we can't expect to 
have a different kind of outcome or response or to maybe resolve an issue that we really need to. Absolutely. And, you know, I just feel like everyone, regardless of our age, regardless of whether we've read the communication books, I feel like everyone can relate to this, you know, and and Mm. what actually is happening when we are avoiding or when we're walking away or when we're swallowing those feelings is we can literally feel the resentment forming and resentment that is Mm, such mm. a relationship killer. Yeah, it really is. And I remember there was, there's this powerful quote about resentment. It's a little bit hectic, (laughs) but I I, I feel like, because we're having the real chats here, we're doing the difficult conversation. Um, I'll bring it up. I can't remember who it's by, but it's goes something along the lines of, Resentment is kind of like drinking poison, but waiting for the other person to suffer the consequences. So it's like you're you're actually the one drinking the poison um, and, and expecting someone else to feel that where the only person you're actually hurting is you. Mm, oh, my goodness. That is just so true. Feels. Feels. <laughs> Absolute feels. Um, resentment doesn't just come between you and the other person, right? It's harmful to ourselves. Like if you grip your hands, and I know that a podcast is an audio medium, so this is going to take a little bit of visualization here. But Amanda, if we like grip our fists into like into big fists, really, really as super tight, as tight as we can get them, and we just keep holding and holding and holding and holding, that's going to get really uncomfortable really quickly. And the other person, guess what? They're not feeling anything. So it's kind of the same thing. So sometimes, even though avoidance feels like the easy path and, you know, it's it's still okay, of course, sometimes, but when we avoid those difficult conversations again and again in a relationship, it builds that resentment and that can create a divide between us and that other person. And not only that, but it can actually hurt us, Mm. you know? Totally. And I also think too, if we're not having the conversation with the person, we can't actually expect that they know how we're feeling. And it kind of goes back to that quote, like you're the one suffering, but the other person may not even know that you're feeling a particular way about something. Um, I remember a couple of years ago, my dad actually forgot my birthday. And I have to preface this with saying it's not the first time he's forgotten my birthday. And it's not that he doesn't want to wish me happy birthday or doesn't care or anything like that. He's just one of those people that doesn't place a lot of value on, you know, someone turning the next year in their life. Um, And I remember him calling me a few days after being like, oh, happy birthday for the other day, sweetheart. And I just felt so frustrated. I was like, how hard would it have really been for you to just call me on my birthday, you know? Um, And I felt that resentment and that frustration like inside of my body. And that was one of those moments where I was like, I could hang on to this, but my dad has no idea that it's actually important for me to, to hear him wish me happy birthday on my birthday. And so I got off the phone and I felt so yuck about that whole conversation. And I just thought, you know what? He has no idea. So if I just call him and say, hey, dad, it's actually really important to me um, because birthdays are important to me. They're a special thing. And and my love language is words. So just hearing someone say, hey, happy birthday. Have a great year. I love you lots means the world. I'm not someone who's really into gifts and presents, but just acknowledging my special day is a really important thing to me. And so I called him and I kind of said that he had no idea. And so this whole time, several years, I'd been kind of suffering myself, putting myself through that kind of internal frustration just because my dad had no no clue I was feeling that way. And I think so often with our friends and siblings and parents, all those kind of relationships, 
we we can't expect that they, they're not mind readers. So if we're not willing to raise the difficult conversation, sometimes they would have no idea that's how we're feeling. Mm-hmm. I mean, that inside joke that we always laugh at, how are our mm. friends meant to know if it actually makes us feel crummy if our yep. response is to join in and laugh? Mm-hmm. It's literally like if we're not expressing how we're feeling, how will they know? And so here mm. is where we get to the difficult conversation, right? <laughs> and it, it, it can feel big, can't it? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the difficult conversation, this is the show we all came for. We know that it can feel really difficult. So how do we navigate it? It's one thing to say, yep, we've got to have the difficult conversation, but how do we actually approach it? Because it's not always easy. And often there's big emotions involved. The reason it feels difficult is because of how big our feelings are. And so often we want to share our feelings, but how do we do that in a way that doesn't hurt other people? Absolutely. So we have our simple strategy and oh, so good. Honestly, like we use it all of the time, don't we Sky? And anyone can use it to have a difficult conversation. And, you know, by using this strategy, by using these simple steps, we can actually walk out of a situation Mm. that could have been damaging to a relationship. And what we've done is made the relationship stronger through our openness, through our honesty. Absolutely. So this, this strategy, just for context, it comes from a really incredible book about navigating difficult conversations. Um, by someone called Marshall Rosenberg. And we've been using it. We we do a lot of research in this area. We love learning about this space and, you know, the psychology behind having challenging conversations and how our feelings work. And this has been one of those really effective strategies where, like everything, feels a bit awkward at first. But once you start using it and actually seeing the benefits of it, it's, it's just been an absolute game changer to see change happen and to keep strengthening those relationships. Absolutely. So it basically comes in four steps. So there are four clear aspects Mm. to how we can structure a difficult conversation. The first step is through sharing our observations. Our observations are the facts of the situation, what actually truly happened. The second step is through sharing our feelings. That is, how do we feel about the situation? And it's also labeling that feeling. You know, if we're feeling Mm. hurt, angry, frustrated. It's labeling that I'm feeling frustrated. The third step is the need. Now the need actually is identifying our need in the situation. So I'm feeling frustrated because what I need is this. And the fourth step is request. So that is with the other person asking, what do we need to do differently next time? How yeah. can we make this work so that it looks a bit different next time? Totally. And I, and it's such a, such a cool thing because it is so simple, just those four steps. So observations, feelings, needs, request. And we are going to put it in the show notes. So if you're listening, listening along, don't, you don't have to remember it now. You can check the show notes to find um, the structure laid out for you. This helps us to express our needs and our feelings in a, in a way that's non-blaming. It's non-judgmental. It's not about making someone else wrong. It's just about expressing what you need and your feelings in a really healthy way. It's more about like, it's almost like you're working on the same team as the person you're having the conversation with and going, Hey, this friendship or this relationship is really important to me. So let's have this conversation to make sure it stays that way. And that neither of us are feeling kind of resentment or anything built up that could be damaging to that. And what I love just before, really quickly before we move on, 
And I think it's important to mention is that so often when when something comes up, if we don't suppress it, we have to express it, right? And suppressing it makes it that feeling of resentment. So we have to express it somehow. An unhealthy kind of experience expressing might be yelling at someone or calling them names or you know maybe at home with your parents it's running to your bedroom and slamming the door which I know I did a lot as a teenager sorry mum if you're listening um and not having the conversation so by by talking about the facts first in in this strategy it actually gives you a bit of time to like cool down and actually work out what you are feeling because sometimes we don't know until we label it and when we label it it kind of takes the sting out of it a little bit and gives us a lot more control over it as well Yeah. And it also takes the sting out of how the other person is receiving it, right? Because so often when we're in those situations and when we do have one of those, you know, quote unquote unhealthy responses, it's a you're to blame. You made me feel Mm. this way. And the other person immediately gets their back up. And what we know is that how like how valuable is that conversation going to be following that point right so by not starting at all because the f- they're going to be so defensive about whatever it is as opposed to listening and being on the same team mm-hmm, exactly which is why we start with the facts so let's demonstrate how this would work so amanda let's imagine that we are friends <laughs> let's <laughs> Okay, I mean, I will try my very best to imagine right now that we are friends. (laughs) Yeah, it's super hard to imagine, right? I've got it. Um, Okay, so you're my imaginary friend and you have (laughs) borrowed an outfit from me to wear to a party. Okay, that's very easy to imagine. (laughs) Yeah. But the thing is, is that when you've returned this outfit, you actually haven't washed it. You've just like left it scrunched up in a plastic bag. Oh, that doesn't really sound like me. Okay, it's hypothetical. Remember, you're my imaginary okay. friend here. Yep, I'm your imaginary <laughs> friend and I'm with you. I've, I've returned so, a dress dirty and it's scrunched up in a bag. Yeah, scrunched up in a bag. You haven't washed it. You haven't even like mentioned it. You just kind of handed this bag over. Okay. So if I didn't have a strategy, if I didn't understand how to have a difficult conversation, I might react in a way that's like, are you kidding me? And then I might carry on and I might not be super respectful in my language choices. I might call you a few names, whatever it might be. Probably not great if we want this imaginary friendship to last. (laughs) Exactly. So instead, I might use this strategy, this OFNR kind of strategy, and I might say something like, hey, Amanda, I noticed that you borrowed that dress of mine, which I totally agreed to. It looks great on you. Um, And you returned it scrunched up in a bag and you haven't washed it. And I just feel a little disappointed and I'm actually a little bit angry because it's one of my favorite outfits. The reason it's important to me is because I really like to respect my things and I also expect my friends to respect my stuff in the same way that I'd respect theirs. And so next time, I'd really just appreciate it if you could communicate it with me about maybe having not washed it or you could take the time to wash the dress before you return it. Oh, difficult conversation had so good. Mm. And we those fat, you know, those steps seemed so simple. So there are the facts, which are the observations. You've expressed exactly how you're feeling in a really healthy way. You've shared why what your need is, why it's important to you and what you needed. And you've shared what you'd like to happen next time. Exactly right. So that's it. It's really that simple. It's your observations, your feelings, what your needs are and your request for next time. What do you want to see happen next time? And that last step is so important because we could stop at that. This is what I needed or this is why I need this. But if we don't talk about our request, 
it's setting us up for the same thing to happen again because we haven't actually expressed to that person how it could look in the future. So that final step is really important to make sure that it can change next time around. Mm, love that and look as well just with anything it's always maybe going to feel a little bit odd that possibly the first time or the second time we use this you know it might be a bit awkward but what we recommend is that just give it a go mm. give it a go on your dog you know <laughs> just give it a go give it a go into the mirror give it a go with something and just know that we will pop that acronym into our show notes so you can copy them across And that's about all we have time for, Amanda. Nice, short and sharp one this week. And just a reminder, if you have that feeling that you should probably have a conversation, maybe you're listening to this and you're like, oh, I really need to talk to that friend of mine or, oh, I probably should bring that up with my mom or my dad. Um, Use the strategy. Give it a crack and just see. Mm. It, It might be awkward, but you know what? Your relationship is going to be all the better for it. Absolutely. It might be awkward, but it will be worth it. And in fact, you'll make it a whole lot stronger. Love it. Have a fab week, everyone. Bye, everyone. See you next time. One, two, three.